Hey everybody, welcome back to the New Community Church Podcast. I'm Pastor Caleb, and this is our last week of Culture Wars. Over the last few weeks, we've been addressing issues in our culture that put us at war with one another, that cause a lot of division, and this week we're talking about immigration. Pastor Aaron Casianos is sharing the word, sharing about his experience, and helping us to see what the Bible calls us to do in regards to loving those around us, those who may be different than us or come from a different background. And so how do we wrestle with immigration in our culture, the laws of our nation, but what the Bible is calling us to do? So get ready for a good one. Here's Pastor Aaron Castellanos. Good morning, NCC. How are you guys? It's so good to be with you guys this morning. And uh, today we are ending our series, Culture Wars. Have you guys enjoyed it? Right? It's been challenging, and uh, every conversation that Aaron and I have had, we've talked about how much prayer we've had to put in this, how much work. It is not easy for us to get up here and preach on a lot of these topics, but one thing that I feel the Lord reminding me constantly is that what he's going to hold me accountable for most uh, most of all is how well I reflected him on this earth, right? So it doesn't matter how comfortable we may be. At the end of the day, we're called to preach truth and love. Would you guys agree with that? And so my name is Aaron Castellanos. I'm the student pastor here at NCC. I have the privilege to be able to lead the next generation. And uh, it's been such an honor and a privilege. Um, I'm just reaching my one-year mark as the student pastor here at NCC. And if I can tell you, man, it went by so fast. It is crazy. But we've been having a lot of fun. God is doing some amazing things in our ministry. And uh, we're just excited about what 2021 is going to do and what it's going to bring. There's no way we can come out of 2020 like this, and 2021 is not going to be better, right, with everything we've gone through. So let me pray with you guys this morning, and we'll go ahead and kick it off. Father, we just thank you. We thank you, God, that we've had the opportunity to worship you, to praise you this morning, God. And Father, I know that you're calling us out to greater as a a body. I know that you're calling us out to uh, for bigger, God, as the church, because a lot of times the discomfort that we see is only a sign that you're saying, I'm calling you for more. And God, these conversations that we're having, these, these difficult topics, Lord, it's, it's your way of shaking us up and awaking us and bringing us back to what truth is, God. Father, I pray that today you open up our hearts, God, so that we can receive the word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. And so today we're gonna be talking about What does the word of God say when it comes to immigration? Now, again, this is one of the most difficult messages, some of the most prayer I've had to put in in preparing a message. And and the reason that is, is because my background informs a lot of my perspective. Um, I'm a child of of two immigrants. Uh, My dad came from Laredo, Tamaulipas, shout out. And my mom is from Juarez, Chihuahua, shout out. Both border sides. And so... um, to be quite honest, growing up, that was the culture that I was immersed in. I, I grew up in Pleasant Grove. I'm a Grove rat. Some of y'all didn't know that. Uh, <laughs> I see some Grove rats in the audience. And, and, and honestly, like, my first language was Spanish. I didn't learn English till we moved to Mesquite. I was in second grade, and I was the only Hispanic kid in the whole class. So you can imagine how difficult that was for me to be able to just kind of be thrown in. 
into a culture that I was not used to being around. And as I was preparing for this message and just being, uh, feeling the tug of, you know, I love my Mexican people, but God, I I was born here in the U.S., like, it's that constant back and forth of, like, what do I do? And I just felt like the Lord challenged me with something, and and it's the first thing I want to share with you guys this morning. The first thing that I felt the Lord tell me is that I'm supposed to submit my preference under his authority. I'm supposed to submit my preference under his authority. It's not what I want, it's what he wants. I submit my preference over and over again under his authority until my preference becomes his heart's desire. And all throughout this message, that's what I have to continue to do, God, is what do you want to say? Because I know what I want to say, but at the end of the day, it's not my word that is going to stand the test of time. It's your word that sets free, God. It's your word that brings truth. Amen? So I believe that as followers of Jesus, one of the things that we should continually be doing, and this was a a verse that I kept coming back to, is be able to pray a prayer like David prayed in Psalm 139, verse 23 through 24. And look at what it says. It says, search me thoroughly, meaning deeply, God, not surface level search, and know my heart, test me and know my anxious thoughts, and see if there's any wicked or hurtful way in me, God and lead me in the everlasting way. That is a prayer that we should continually be praying, especially right now with everything that's going on in our country, is God search my heart. And I'll be quite honest with you, this is not an easy prayer to pray because this type of prayer will expose some things that are in our heart. This type of prayer will bring to the surface maybe some racism that lies in our heart. This type of prayer will bring in some prejudice that may be in our heart. This type of prayer will tear me wide open and expose things that have been in the dark, and it brings them into light. It's not an easy prayer to pray for God to search us. Because at that point, we really have two choices to make when we pray this prayer. Do I continue to live led by my preferences, or do I submit everything I am under his authority? There's no other option after you pray a prayer like that. It's, God, do my preferences continue to lead me, or do I submit everything I am under your authority as a follower of Jesus? I'll be honest with you. I don't like this type of prayer. I don't like praying this type of prayer because I know what it's going to expose in my heart many times. But at the same time, I love this type of prayer because it removes obstacles that are getting in the way of me reflecting Jesus to the world. And it starts the process of healing It's not easy when God exposes things in your heart. If there's unforgiveness, if there's resentment, if there's bitterness, if there's a view that you have towards a certain group of people that is so contrary to what the word of God says, it's not comfortable. But if we're going to grow as followers of Jesus, this is a continual pattern right here. God, search me, God. And I ask that you pray that same prayer this morning as we go through this. Now, I want to make two things clear before we get started. Before we start tackling this topic of immigration, number one, I want you to understand that there are laws in place for our protection and safety. And so in no way am I saying, let's put aside any law that's in place and let's just say, hey, we'll just kind of go and just do whatever we feel. That's not what I'm saying. Now, I'll admit that our country hasn't done the best job many times on how things are handled, but God has put government officials and he's put laws in place for a reason. And we're called to submit under those laws and abide by them as long as they don't contradict what the Word of God says. The second thing that I want to establish this morning is we have to be careful that our voice does not become louder than God's voice. 
right? Because that can happen many times. We can be blinded by our pride and our preferences that we can't hear what God is saying. And that takes humility for me to submit under his authority. But pride is so loud right now in everything. We see pride everywhere. And we can't hear God many times because our pride gets in the way. And so let's get started here. Right off the bat, I want you guys to understand that 36 times in the Old Testament, the Bible speaks about not mistreating the stranger or the foreigner. 36 times just in the Old Testament. Now, it's one thing for God to say things once, that's enough, but for him to drive a point 36 times, I think we're missing a point that we sometimes don't get here in our country. It's, it's, we don't love people based on our preferences. We love people based on what the word of God says, and we continue to go back to this. In the New Testament, we find a story that uh, we maybe have seen in different perspective, maybe have seen it in a different way, and I want to read it to you guys. This is Luke 10, 25 through 37. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up. If you have your mobile devices, whatever it is, and I hope that you're taking notes because at NYC, we say note takers are what, guys? History makers. And I always challenge them. I say, why do we say note takers are history makers? Because it's hard to change history if we don't know what we just learned and we just read it one time or hear it one time. We got to keep going back to it, right? You want to change history, take notes. So this is what it says in Luke chapter 10, verse 25, and we're going to go to verse 37 and maybe a little bit after, but it says, and behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tested him. Now, when it says him, it's referring to Jesus. And this lawyer is not a typical lawyer. This is a person who was an expert in the Mosaic law, which is the law of Moses. So it's not like your lawyer nowadays. And this is what this lawyer says to Jesus. He says, teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? That's a good question, right? And Jesus said to him, what is written in the law? What is your reading of it? So he answered and said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you have answered rightly, do this and you will live. But he, wanting to justify himself, said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Then Jesus answered and said, a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho. Now he's telling a parable. And he fell among thieves who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a certain priest came down the road, and when he saw him, he passed on the other side Likewise, a Levite, when he arrived at the place, came and looked and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. Everybody say compassion. So he went to him, and he bandaged his wounds, pouring oil and wine, and he set him on his animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. On the next day, when he departed, he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper and said to him, take care of him and whatever more you spend, when I come again, I will repay you. So which of these three do you think was a neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? And he said, he who showed mercy on him. Then Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. What a great story there. And it gives us a great understanding of the perspective that we should have when it comes to those that we may not see as equals, that we may not see 
as someone who's done things the right way. So you see right off the bat that this is a lawyer, someone who was an expert in the Mosaic law, the law of Moses, and he asked this question, what should I do to inherit eternal life? Now, Jesus, knowing that the disciples were watching, he uses this opportunity to define what their relationship with their neighbors should be. That's the point that he's trying to drive here. And you see in verse 29 how this person says, but wishing to justify or vindicate himself, he asked Jesus, who is my neighbor? In other words, if we translate that, what he's really asking is, can you just tell me who my neighbor is? Because there's people I don't like and I don't want to love. And if you break down the word neighbor in the Greek, it's defined as someone who is near. In the Hebrew, it's defined someone that you have association with. So at this point, the lawyer could have limited in his mind who his neighbor was, which was a fellow Jew. And he would have said, yeah, I'm loving my neighbor. I'm loving those that are like me. And isn't that what we do many times? Right? God, I'm not doing too bad. I mean, I'm, I'm loving people. God, look at me. At least I'm not doing that. That's basically what he's doing right here. If you can just define to me what my neighbor is and tell me that it's people like me, God, then we're good. But God calls us to a higher standard. And so at this point, the Lord would have limited himself to who his neighbor was. That means that he would have excluded showing love to Samaritans. He would exclude showing love to Romans or to any other foreigner. And then in this right here lies the problem on how we view immigrants many times as American Christians. We want to pick who we love. If you look like me, if you talk like me, if you did things the way I want, then I will love you well. And can I be honest with you guys? I struggle with this. I struggle with this. I want to pick and choose who I love. And not only do I want to pick and choose who I love, I want to pick and choose how I love them. Come on, let's be honest here. Am I the only one? But when I go to the presence of God and I seek to hear his voice and I'm asking for him to minister to me, he always calls me out and he always points something out. Is you're looking at this person the wrong way. I'm not asking you to be in your comfort zone. I'm asking you to step out. Because that's when I can do great things. And so you see that this is what's happening in this guy's life. See, when we start to make rules and requirements for who we extend care to, there's a problem. When we start to pick and choose who deserves to experience the love of Jesus, there's a problem. And again, if you're taking notes, write this down. Our nation's government does not define how we do ministry or who we minister to. The word of God does. Let's make that clear. So can I tell you when things get foggy because they're getting foggy right now? especially after that last debate, right? We're going to go there. It got foggy, and I'm like, oh, Lord, I need to go pray. That's all I thought is I just need to go pray, God. But when things get foggy, we don't look to the government to show us what we should do. As followers of Jesus, we look to the word of God, and we make sure that we're in a position where we can hear his voice. And again, submitting under his authority, not our pride, not our preference, leading us and being at the forefront. Now, I do want to reiterate what I said at the beginning of the message. The Bible is very clear that there are laws and government officials in place for a reason. And I am no way saying that there shouldn't be laws in place to protect our country. But what I am saying is that we need to check our heart on how we're defining our neighbor to be. That's what I am saying. 
So Jesus then goes on, he drives the point of who our neighbor is and how we should love our neighbor. And we see this story that he's telling, that this man is uh, walking down this path and he's going from Jerusalem to Jericho. And these thieves come out, they beat him, they take everything, his clothing, and he's left pretty much going after his life, almost dead. And if you can picture this as if you're watching a movie, because that's the way that I read it, I'm looking at a man who's laying on the ground, he's beaten, he's bruised, he's, he's bleeding, you can barely see him breathing, and you're looking around just thinking, somebody help this guy, he's going to die. And all of a sudden, Jesus introduces the first character, which is a priest. Now, I'm not going to lie, if I'm watching this as a movie, I see a priest coming, I'm thinking, this is it. He's going to get help. It's going to be over. But the Bible says that the priest walks, and it walks on the other side of the road, almost as the, I don't want anything to do with you. My heart starts to drop as I read that part, or maybe as I'm watching this as a movie, thinking, really, a priest, this is the one that does God's work. Why didn't he stop to tend to this guy and help him? But before I can even start thinking or recover, I see a Levite coming. And I think, surely the Levite's going to do something. Levites back in those days, they spent most of their time in temples serving the priest. If anybody knew God's law, it was this person. It was the priest. So they know how to uh, be able to love your neighbor as yourself. Surely he's going to help this guy. And the Bible says that once again, he walks on the other side and just leaves the man there. And right at that point, if I'm watching this as a movie, I start to get discouraged and think, you know what? It's over. This guy's going to die. And as I'm turning my back, I see a Samaritan walking, and it's not the sign of hope if I'm a Jewish person, because Samaritans back in those days in the Bible, these were people from Samaria, a region north of Jerusalem. And in Jesus' day, the Jewish people of Galilee and Judea shunned on the Samaritans, viewing them as a mixed race who practiced an impure and half-pagan religion. So right off the bat, I'm thinking the Samaritan's not going to do anything. Like, the Bible doesn't tell us if the man was a Jew or not, but Samaritans were not looked at somebody that honestly would stand out. But then you see in this story how this Samaritan goes down and he starts to bandage and starts to heal this person's wounds. And not only that, that if that weren't enough right there, we, we, we see him, you know, be able to take the person, puts him on his animal takes him to an inn, pays the innkeeper and says, hey, take care of him, and if there's anything that, that you do extra, I'll come back and pay for it, meaning he wasn't just going to leave him there. When I read this story, guys, what challenges me is how many times the world is looking at us saying, why are you not tending to that person? Why are you not loving? Why are you not providing help? If anybody should be doing it, it's us as followers of Jesus. Now, I don't fully agree with this quote, but I remember hearing someone say that the reason why nonprofit organizations and charities exist is because many times the church has not done their job. It's true. But guys, if any of us should be able to reflect how we treat an immigrant or someone that's not like me, it's us. It's the church. Because that's exactly what Jesus would do. And that's the point that he's driving here, is you have to define who your neighbor is. See, the criterion for showing love is not race or religion, it's need. So when I need to know, do I offer help, do I show love to someone, it's need. If there's a need, then I can meet it. Can I supply care to someone in need? Can I provide food to someone that's hungry? 
Can I provide clothing to those who are needing to be clothed? Can I lend an ear and hear someone's story and perspective without getting defensive? If there's a need as Jesus followers, we're called to step in and supply that need. And I'm so thankful when I read this that God did not have a requirement for extending his unconditional love to me. Because if anybody's an immigrant, it's us. We were adopted into the family of Jesus. We were adopted into the family of God. Revelations 5.9 says this, Worthy and deserving are you to take the scroll and to break its seals. For you were slain, sacrificed, talking about Jesus. With your blood you purchased people for God from every what? Every tribe, every language, and people, and nation. We were adopted into the family of God. And that's where we have to start right there, is that you are my brother and sister in Christ first and foremost. It does not matter if you look like me. It does not matter if you talk like me. It doesn't matter if you dress different, if you do life different, but you are my brother and sister in Christ, and we're united under one name, and that's the name of Jesus. Amen? Amen. And guys, something changes when we start to view somebody as our brother and sister in Christ. You all of a sudden want to take care of that person and love that person well. So if we started here, think about this, how many unnecessary walls and dividers could be eradicated if we started with that view that you are my brother and sister in Christ? There's so much division these days. I mean, an incredible amount of division. And, and just like I said the last time I preached, I'm still doing this. I've had to take breaks from social media over and over again because there's posts that I will post with good intentions and because people are on a high alert of just like, man, you're out to get me, it goes in the opposite direction. And I've had to take these posts down. It's like, I wasn't even talking about that. But that's the world we're living in. And there's a fog, there's a cloudiness right now over us wondering, God, what should I do? Should I do this or should I do that? God, this person's making great points. I hear this, I hear that. The same thing I keep coming back to is what does the word of God say? And I need to be spending time with Jesus so that I can hear his voice on how I should be guided in this time. And so again, I wanna just reiterate this, is that the lens that we look through first and foremost is the lens of the word of God. You are my brother and you are my sister in Christ. I'm going to close with this. Um, this is Matthew 25, verse 35 through 40. And again, this may be a story that you've read before. Maybe you've heard this before. But I think if sometimes we can read these stories and we miss parts, and, and God is specifically trying to drive a point here. And it says, for I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me to drink. And look at what it says. It says, I was a stranger and you invited me in. Do you know what that word stranger means? That word stranger is translated as foreigner or alien. Go back and look it up. It says, I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. And then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? And the king will reply, 
Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Our views on immigration may differ, but how we love and take care of immigrants is a non-negotiable. We may have different views on how immigration should be handled, but how we love and treat immigrants is a non-negotiable. We love well, with no limits, with no restraints, because that's exactly how Jesus loved us as strangers. No holding back. Jesus didn't cut corners when he loved us, and neither should we when we love others. So I want to pray with you guys as we close today. We can go ahead and bow our heads and close our eyes. And the first thing we, we always like to address here is this love that we talked about today and we talk about every single week is the love of Jesus. And if that's not a love that you've experienced, this is an opportunity for you to be able to make that decision. The Bible clearly speaks that, that God is a holy God, meaning no blemish, no, no sin, nothing. And we are sinful people, meaning we are not perfect. And a holy God and a sinful person cannot mix. It's impossible. But because God couldn't stand being separated from the, the ones that he loved the most, you and I, what he did is he sent Jesus to die on the cross for us so that we could be reconnected to him. The punishment that we deserved, he took it upon himself. And the beautiful thing about this is that this is not something that you have to work up to. He's already done all the work. The Bible says in the book of Romans that, that if we believe in our hearts and we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, that, that God raised him from the dead, that we will be saved. You have that opportunity today if you haven't made that decision. And so if that's you and you want to make that decision this morning, I just want you to repeat after me. And everybody can pray together. Just say, Jesus... I give you my heart, I give you my life. I ask you to be Lord of my life. I surrender control to you today. I believe that Jesus died on the cross and that he was raised on the third day. Give me new life today, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Can we get up for everybody who's made that decision this morning? And the other prayer I want to pray over you guys is, is I, I feel the heaviness that you guys feel right now as followers of Jesus. What do I do in this time, God? And my prayer this morning is that, man, we gain such clarity to hear the voice of God in these moments. That we're able to turn off every other voice to say, God, what do you want me to do, God? So let me pray over you guys this morning. Father, I thank you, Jesus, that in spite of what's going on, in spite of the confusion, God, in spite of the many voices, God, that surround us today, Lord, you are still on the throne, God, and you still reign, Lord. And so, Father, I pray, God, that the, the, the fog be lifted, the confusion be lifted, God, as we go into your presence, that we're able to hear you clearly on how we should handle the current situations, God. As we're going into this time of voting, God, that you speak to us clearly on what we should do, God. God, I pray, Jesus, that most importantly, Lord, that you bring unity within the body of, of Christ. 
God, the many things that are trying to divide us right now, Lord Jesus, I pray that we come back to what matters the most, and that's your name, Jesus. That's your mission. That's your purpose for us here on earth. God, I pray that dividers, God, be eradicated, Lord, that we're able to work together even if we have a difference of opinions, God. We're able to work together with this in mind, God, that our mission right here on earth, God, is to be able to expand your kingdom, Lord, for your glory. God, I thank you, Jesus, that even though right now it may seem like the church is divided, God, we're still the most powerful weapon here on earth, God. And I pray that you help us to rise up with the boldness and the confidence, God, that we've never seen before, Jesus. We ask this all in your precious and mighty name. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. As you reflect on this message this week, evaluate if your beliefs about some of the topics that we've talked about, if they line up with your opinion or your experiences, or if they're aligned up with the Word of God. Ask God if there's any beliefs that you need to change to be more in line with Him. Here at NCC, we are all about making people and places new, and we want to know how we can help you grow in your faith. So connect with us online at newcommunity.co.